Welcome back to another episode of the Ham and Turkey. We had to strike while the iron's hot in the NBA. It's a lot going on in the NBA right now, and we need to we needed to do a podcast because there's so much to talk about in terms of the finals, in terms of the Lakers trade. We're going to discuss the Warriors dynasty, and then we're going to discuss Chris Paul and James Harden's little beef or feud, whatever they got going on right now. And then we're going to discuss a little a little free agency. We're going to try to get this under an hour because we need you guys' attention to listen. Listen to what we have to say. So we're going to start today. We're going to start talking the finals. Um, the Toronto Raptors are the NBA champions. I will say that I did not pick them to win the championship. I thought the Warriors would, pick, would win the championship just because even though KD went down, I still feel like they had enough to... Take out the Warriors to take out the Raptors, and I wasn't I wasn't quite sold on the Raptors that they can beat Golden State in a four game seven game series and win four games. But you know they took it, they did it, and they they won the championship. So I'll start with some of my takeaways from the finals, and we got Chester on again today. He's gonna start with some of his takeaways from the finals. So my first takeaway from the finals is that. I will say that Kawhi Leonard put on a masterful, a masterful performance against uh, the best team in the NBA, and I feel like due to that performance that he put on, he propelled himself to, I'd say, top three players in the NBA, top two if you want to really sit down and argue it. Um, he, this is a stat for you guys. Kawhi Leonard led the league in totals now, in totals, in points. Blocks and steals, and that hadn't been done since LeBron. So, just that right there alone is is quite a remarkable feat. And another thing I took away is now this is the point that I feel like is going to be argued. I feel like Fred Van Vliet is their best point guard on their team. Now Chester, I want Chester to go with his after I said that. Chester, go with your. What's your takeaways for the finals? <laughs> Excuse me. All right, well, I would say for the finals, I picked Toronto to win because there was no KD. But I picked Toronto because of my favorite line when we talk basketball. Teammates matter. Mm-hmm. You know what the Toronto Raptors record was without Kawhi? 13-3. and three. Awesome. That's awesome. a winning percentage of 81%. Yeah. Ter- <laughs> in terms of... Uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Siakam and Marco Sol and Beverly, all these guys. I, I, I listen. I don't even. I won't even argue anything like that. In the the Raptors at that point in time had the best team on the floor. It sucks that Katie and Clay both got hurt at the same exact time. You know what I mean? When Katie went out, he went what three for three in that game and from three from three point win. You know what I mean? And then he. Tragically tore his Achilles, trying to rush himself back. But I mean, I'm that that surprises me now. Even when he was sitting games during the season, they were still rolling. You know, Siakam is arguably their second best player, and there could be a case made that he could be in the next couple of years be an All Star. More than likely, going to win Most Improved. This yeah, year. most. Um, and but I would say what what stuck out to me was defense. Yeah, the lack of defense that was being played by the Golden State Warriors. For players like Van Fleet, like Van Fleet, before they did like a against the 
the Sixers, he averaged like four points. Yeah. And from that point on, he averaged double digits. So when you have that from your backup point guard, as much slack as Kyle Lowry got, he played well. Siakam yeah. played well. Danny Green didn't shoot well, but you can always count on defense. Yeah. And then they one game got, he has six threes. Like, come on, man! Can't, you can't, you can't, you can't beat a team teammates. like that with that. Yeah, Teammates man. matter, man. Then you got Marcus Gasol, another defensive player, savvy on offense too. Yeah. It was just, it was a good finals. Yeah. It was everything that I expected it to be. Um, I just gotta lower my my stance on Steph, man. I, I just don't see him leading them ever. And and that's that's a great point. I was. I was there too. I was saying the same thing. They keep bringing up this point about Steph not being able to get it done in big moments. And there was a stat that they put up the last finals game when we had that last shot. He's 0 for 8 now when the game is either tied or for them to go up on shots. He's mm-hmm. 0 for 8 in that in that time in the period. Finals? Yeah, in the, in the finals. No. Period, actually. Oh, okay. Period. When it's time for them to go up and he's taking them eight shots, he's over eight. And so, I mean, to me, in my opinion, I feel Steph is the best point guard in the league. But, I mean, if you're not getting it done for me in, in the clutch time when I need you the most, their guy, I have to have a, I have to sit down and have a real honest conversation That's, with myself. That wasn't even the part that scared me about Steph. It was a play, one play when Van Fleet was coming down and like in the middle of the play, like with Van Fleet at the top of the key, he's making Sean Livingston switch to him. He's literally running off of Van Fleet, but like Van Fleet doesn't have anything over him. He's just, he might be a little quicker, but Steph is taller. Yeah. So once I seen that, I was like, ah, I can't, I can't do nothing with Steph. Yeah. And, and just to look ahead just a little bit, you got Katie out for a year. You got essentially Clay out for a year. And so you're going to have Draymond and Steph as the two best players on the board. I still think that's enough to get them to the playoffs. But as far as being a contender for the Western Conference title in an in in NBA championship, dare I say? I don't think that's going to happen at this time. Not with just Steph. They had a... They had an argument on ESPN. It was Stephen A. and Max Kellerman. They said, who would you rather have in crunch time? Steph Curry or Allen Iverson? And That's not even enough. And, <laughs> and the thing is, is like when you 0 for 8 in clutch time on go-ahead shots, I, I said I had to take AI. I'm taking AI yeah. just because he's going to play defense. Exactly. He's not going yeah. to do in the middle of the play. He's not going to put the oldest player on the court. That's about to retire yeah. on the youngest player. <laughs> That's horrible. I saw the same play he was talking about, too, and I couldn't believe it. Because one knock that Steph gets from most players in the league is that he'll do all the stuff. He'll go down. He'll hit four or five threes in a row and shimmy all you and all this. But when it's time for you to come back at him, he want to switch. He want to switch. No, you come get him. You come get him. I'm all for winning, though. But if you're going to shimmy on me, you're going to do all that. He's at least give me an opportunity to come back at you. And, you know... I understand if we use the same little LeBron debate about resting and stuff like that. I get totally get that. The one game in the finals, he had, what, 49? He was just one off from having 50? You know what I mean? He had to do that for them to win, and I totally understand that. But this was a game at home. I think it was the – I think it was a closeout game, but it was at home. And, you. I mean, you could have you guarded Van Vliet. And for all intents and purposes, Van Vliet was locking stuff up in crunch time. I don't know if any of y'all noticed it who watched the finals. Van Vliet was picking up Steph full court, playing face you defense, 
and killing him. He even has a play where he ripped Steph before half court, hustled, got the ball, and there was a foul on Steph Curry. Hey, um, you can't teach heart. Exactly. You can't teach heart. You can't do it, man. And that's why I said if I had to pick between Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, I would have had to take Van Vliet. He, Kyle Lowry scored a lot of points. He's a starter. He's supposed to score a lot of points. But if you looked at from the Bucks series to now, Van Vliet have been playing the most consistent. Ever since his son was born, he was a different player. Huh? That's true. That is true. He, I mean, he made his he made his present felt. Yeah. He made his pre- I mean, he he made his present so felt that Hubie Brown gave him a, a MVP for the finals. <laughs> so. I I wouldn't and I wouldn't disagree if he wanted to because right. he played. He, he was gave, the most. He gave it all. He was the most important player, not named Kawhi Leonard in that series. You know what I mean? And they they were able to work together as a team. To win that thing. And then another thing about the Warriors, before we move on to the dynasty, the Warriors are a very undersized team. The way they play basketball is Draymond is 6'7". He plays essentially with their death lineup on the floor. He plays the five. Yeah. So when he grabs the, the, the board and he pushes up the court, somebody, KD, Steph, Clay, somebody's going to be open for a three, obviously. You know what I mean? And so that's an easy way to play. You can play small ball like that. But when you got a center, a defensive Player of the year in Marcus Gasol, almost close to a seventh footer. You got Kawhi Leonard, who's six eight, six nine with big hands. You got Pascal Siakam, that's six ten, young boy can jump over anybody and grab rebounds. It's gonna be tough for somebody like Steph and all those other guys. And they didn't have KD and Clay, so it's made it even tougher for them to compete with these guys because these guys are long and athletic, and they can switch every position. and And Marcus Gasol did a great job of switches. But the thing is, though. He didn't really have to switch onto guards because he only had to worry about guarding Clay. And the thing is, though, when you got Kawhi that's taking turns on Steph, Siakam that's taking turns on Steph, and then Fred Van Vliet, like you said, with the heart guarding Steph, also it's it's tough for anybody to do it. And they they showed me that listen, man, they they lock up first, and then Danny Green, first team all defender, also. So all they had three players in their starting lineup that was has been on the all defensive first team. So I mean, it's that's that's tough for anybody and anybody to deal with. But wins championships exactly defense. Somebody was trying to say today, uh, Ryan Hollins from ESPN. I don't know how that scrub made it on the ESPN <laughs> talk basketball, but whatever. He said, did Kawhi Leonard win the MVP, the Finals MVP, because of his defense? And Max Kellerman said something smart. Yes, he did. He's giving me 20, almost 30 points a game, and he's locking up our best player. He locked up Giannis. Not saying that's that's a hard thing to do when you don't have no jump shot, but... No, it's hard, because nobody stopped him. Exactly. I mean... He averaged almost 30. I mean, so he did the same exact thing in this series. He just had a lot more help in this series. He He didn't have to check everybody. Like he didn't, it wasn't his responsibility to just shut down Giannis because of the because of the offense that Golden State plays. It's really you just got to be able to move. If you can move your feet and stay in front of your man and switch, it can work, and that's what they were able to do. They had people that can switch. And to your point about their size, you take KD out that lineup. KD is their only seven footer. Exactly, so, their only one. Yeah. So after you remove him and you put in who McKinney, McKinney's six seven. So now you got. I seen McKinney do nothing this series but foul. <laughs> oh no! I seen him do nothing but he, foul. He disappointed me a lot. I yeah. thought he was gonna play a bigger role than what he played, but he just wasn't ready for the moment. And then their other seven footer, Bogey, he can't play in this series. Yeah. He's not athletic enough to play in the series. Serge Ibaka. How can I forget about Ibaka? Ibaka had a game where he scored 20. And he had a game where he had six blocks. 
It's all about listen. Contributions man. from everybody, man. When you have a team that can go thirteen and three without their finals MVP, for throughout the course of a year, where two of those wins is against Golden State without Kawhi. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> Toronto. I take nothing away from Toronto. I pick the Milwaukee Bucks to get to the finals, but I I thought the Warriors would win. I still thought they had enough to beat them even without KD. But I take nothing away from the Raptors. They played a great series. They they played team basketball. They played team defense. And that's the biggest thing of all. If you can defend and score in a break, you just really open it up. And then that game, Steph scored 49. Like They did, excuse me, they did a great thing of where, listen, we're going to let Steph get all the points he want. But all the rest of these guys, we're going to make nothing. them beat us. Y'all not getting anything, bro. And, they did, and that's essentially what they did. It just sucks for them as we close this up. It sucks for them that Draymond Green isn't the scorer that he probably should be when KD and Steph is and Clay is both out. You know what I mean? But Draymond's an irreplaceable player on their team. You know what I mean? I would say Draymond was the most disappointing to me just in the final game. You can't you can't have a closeout game and you got eight turnovers. Oh gosh. That's disgusting. <laughs> you, I don't even want to hear that. You eight can't turnovers. Have eight yeah. turnovers. But again, as I previously stated, he does <clears throat> handle the ball a lot for them, but still that's no excuse to have eight not turnovers. A, not a closeout game. Any other game, cool, but not a closeout because yeah, yeah. that's that's giving possessions away. That's yeah. that's giving them the win. And that's been the Warriors' problem this whole time that they've been together is turnovers. turnovers. Yes. Even when KD is in there, turnovers, turnovers. You know, first to second quarters of games, they turn the ball over like savages, and then every single game they play, if you look at it when they play the best teams, they start smacking those threes in the third quarter, and nobody can come back when you got KD, Clay, Steph, three of the top three shooters probably ever to play the game, <laughs> just smacking threes. You got 10, and now you're down. Now you up. Now you're down. Excuse me. Now you're down like three because you done got three threes in a row from all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's tough to deal with, but injuries happen, and honestly, the Raptors were honest, obviously a better team. They they were better all around. And then just to get the last point in, I know we're going to close, but just on the last point, the Warriors bench gave them probably virtually nothing. While you got, for Toronto, you got Van Vliet coming off the bench. You got, who else they had? They had, uh, um, not Mark, um, Serge. Serge, yep, they had Serge coming off the bench. They had so Powell Norman coming. Powell. Um, well, they didn't even have OG on Ananobi. He was nice too, and that's yeah. another long guard that they got too. A lot of these dudes coming off the bench that just gave up contributions. And again, the Warriors, they just this is what happens when you have close to four max players on your team. You can't fill that bench up. All they had was Iguodala off the bench, and Iguodala had hurt his what was it, his calf this he series had to before. Start. Exactly. So they, they didn't even get him from the bench. Yeah. So the Raptors played a great. Great, great, great series. And they deserve to win the NBA championship because they made the proper adjustments. They played great team defense. They did everything that they did. They, they needed to do to win the series. <clears throat> so this brings us to discussing in our next segment, we're going to discuss the Warriors dynasty. We're going to discuss what it means from here. Is it over? And we're going to discuss... What the Warriors dynasty? Looking back on it, and then looking forward to what it what it could be. I have to take a timeout for my sponsors, so we'll be right back. All right, so we're back. I had to take a break from my sponsor. I need to get my 
my sponsorship up so I get my streaming money right. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> need to take a little small break. So now we're going to discuss uh, what the Warriors dynasty was. Just like looking back on it and then looking forward to what's to come of the dynasty. So I want Chester to start with his thoughts and then I'll, I'll give you mine. All right. What I think of the dynasty, I think it's <laughs> it's going to hurt me to say this, but it's KD's dynasty. Oof. Um, KD. Okay. How many championships do they have without KD? One. How many do they have with KD? Two. And they would have possibly had a third if he played this year. Just give or take just off the one game he played for 12 minutes and they won. So you take that, you take the the injuries, who it affected, it affected KD first, and they were already down before Clay got hurt, so I won't give them that excuse. I just think it's over. I don't, I, the injuries that they had, especially for Clay, Clay runs two miles per game. Now he's gonna have Ooh. to do that on a AC, on a on a on a brand new ACL. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, KD, like I said, he's he's seven foot. With an Achilles tear, and we just the only other seven footer I know to get that is Boogie, and Boogie just doesn't look the same. So yeah. I think the injuries killed it. But my overall view from this dynasty is that they won one, but they didn't get on the hump to winning three and being as cocky as they are. So they got KD. So to me, this is really KD's dynasty, and we're just not going to appreciate it because of what he did to go there. Well. <laughs> Okay, this is this is where I'll start. I'm on the opposite view. I don't think the dynasty is over. Now, you bring up a great point. Yes, KD and Boogie both coming off of terrible, terrible injuries. KD with the Achilles, uh, Boogie with the torn the torn quad, right. and then now Clay with the with the ruptured um, ACL. That those are three really serious and debilitating. Uh, physical and athletic diseases, ath excuse me, athletic <laughs> injuries, excuse me. And so trying to come back from that, I mean, KD's out for a year. Clay's going to be essentially, uh, ACL is a six-month rehab process, so that's essentially a year. I mean, Boogie, you saw, I didn't even mention him in the last second because he looked so terrible playing. I mean, there was one play he had on a baseline where he got like an open look where he could have took two steps and dunked. He took two steps, tried to take a layup and got a swatted. I don't know y'all, but I've never seen that from Boogie before. When he was healthy, that would have been a jam on whoever that was. So, I mean, I'll look forward before I look back. If I'm looking forward, I can't sit here and say this is KD's dynasty just for the simple fact that the, I, I'm on that bandwagon too. The way he got there, I can't say that it's his dynasty because Steph, Steph, <laughs> Steph has been the cornerstone of that franchise Literally, since we can remember, I mean, they stuck with Steph through thick and thin when they drafted him, and it wasn't really a popular move at the time because he's still even coming out of Davidson was having trouble with his ankles. And remember, he had got ankle surgery like more than one time, and everybody was like, "Yo, listen, man, I don't know if investing in Steph Curry is what like what should really happen." And then after the injuries, and then they gave him that new deal. They gave him a new deal right after coming off of ankle surgery. And then after getting the new deal, he got hurt after that. And so for the Warriors to stick with Steph through thick and through thin, and then for Steph to essentially give him their comeuppance from what they invested in him, 
it's hard for me to sit here and say that it's KD's dynasty. And to your point, they did win two championships with KD. And you can say that those championships were because of KD due to the fact that he was just killing LeBron in the last two finals. And without that, they they probably would not have won. But there could, have equal, there could be an equal case made that KD wouldn't have got there without Steph. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say that because he went, went to the finals without him. And he also joined a team that beat him when he had them down 3-1. So, I mean. Yeah, but they need, they called him, correct? They did call him. They yes. called him. They yes. needed yes. him to get over the hump of dropping a series that they were up 3-1 themselves. Yeah. They, they, I, I, but calling it Steph's, calling it KD's dynasty, I, I, I feel he was along for the ride for the dynasty, but not his. No, I, I believe it's his. Because I don't believe they have one championship if Kyrie and Kevin Love don't get hurt in that first finals. I don't believe Steph has one championship. One championship? I don't believe he has one. If, if Kyrie and Kevin Love don't get hurt in that first finals that they met, I don't believe that they beat them. Now, we've already seen what it's like with Harrison Barnes. They dropped the 3-1 series lead. Yeah. Also, Draymond <laughs> got suspended for a game in that series, too. So, I mean, I, there are other factors in that year. I don't count that. That's one game. They they played six other games. Yeah, they, they did. And then that same year, Steph came off a knee injury. And so, when he went into the finals, he wasn't fully healthy. They played the Pelicans the series before when he came back. And he was still reacclimating himself back into the system. But nope. to you your point, listen, right? You don't give people that, right? Exactly. You I'm out gonna, there, yeah. Kawhi played with two bad hamstrings. Right. So. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> give him that as that that injury excuse. But it did happen. But I'm not gonna keep going over myself. I'm not gonna give him that excuse. But to sit here and say that it's KD's dynasty, I, I, I would, I personally would not go that far. And I will, I have to mention this because. This is why I like stuff. So there's an article posted before the year at when they after they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron had his block. Steph was in Hawaii running one of his camps, and the owner and the general manager they called Steph and said, "Yo, we needed you to drop everything and come help us recruit KD." He did that and he recruited KD, and I will respect him for putting his ego and his pride aside to say, "Yo." We are going to get KD and we're going to win. And that's why I feel like Steph is the best point guard. Just because he is one of the most selfless superstars that the NBA has ever seen. For you, for him to put his pride aside, let KD be the man of that team. The, the main score, excuse me, the main score of the team. And then let Clay do what he does. I think that's, that's, that, that speaks volumes, you know what I mean? And he has no problem deferring. I would say he's a winner, but I would say, because even the one championship they won, it wasn't because of Steph. He didn't even get finals MVP. He didn't get You know what's funny about that finals? To your point, I looked it up today. They have four people shooting over 40% from three. Barnes, Iguodala, Clay, and there was one more guy off the bench who was shooting. But they all were shooting 40% from three, so it's like... Pretty much every, pretty much most of their starters were shooting high forties from three point from three point range, and it's just like, uh. but this is where that conversation teammates matter. Who yeah. was who, who was out there for the Cavs? It was yeah. De- Della Vadova was starting. Della yeah. Vadova is a backup. Yeah, he was the starter, and I don't even remember who the backup power forward was. But that's what I'm saying. You're taking out two key elements, just like we're doing for the for the um, Warriors yeah. this year. 
Yeah. You're taking out two crucial pieces. You move that, and your team is going to be weaker. Yeah. That's so, and that's why I believe that. that I don't. If he would have won a finals MVP, sure. If he would have showed me something this series, like, okay, he got to 40, 40, what, 45. But after that, what did he do? Yeah. Nothing but a bunch of bad shooting nights. <laughs> and Steph has been knocked relentlessly for not showing up in the finals. And again, as I put, as I said in the last segment, that, I mean, 0 for 8 and in crunch time on go-ahead shots. I can't I can't argue with that. Numbers are numbers and facts are facts. I mean, if you're 0 for 8 in the last look that they got to win the game, it was a good look. It was a great look for him. It was a excellent look. He makes shots like that in the regular season all the time. But I mean, it's just when crunch time comes, it's just and that's, he, and, and that's why I say it's KD's team because they had all this they had opportunities to extend the series, to win games. They were in all of these games. It wasn't like every game was a blowout. Yeah. They were close games yeah. and Steph was on the floor. And your teammates are leaving you there, and you demand to get them over the hump. And he never got them over the hump. And and these are all fair points when you factor in Steph Curry's greatness, and they try to put him up there, top ten players ever. And I, I have me personally, I still think he's the best point guard now. But you got to kind of pump the brakes on that. If you can't get it done for me when I need you the most, that's a big thing. You can't get it done for me when you when I need you the most. And you're not defending on the level for me when you're not defending on the level that you should be, and you passing players off to Van Vliet. That's what I hate the most because you're not accepting the challenge as the best player on the team. You letting somebody else who I will say is a better defender, but you're Steph Curry. You go take that challenge. You lock Van Vliet up because <laughs> Van Vliet hit like three or four big shots in just that game alone. Yeah, you know what I mean. While Steph was guarding him, so I. We you gotta you gotta kind of temper temper and 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 hold off on the coronation. And you say, oh, Steph's a top ten player ever. I was like, I got I personally all off the top of my head got ten players I take over Steph. You know what I mean? I love him, but not best, not best, not one of the top ten ever. I can't I can't go that far. As far as KD's dynasty, you bring up great points. So to your point, I'm gonna look ahead a little bit and I'm gonna say, now that KD's out for a year, now that Clay. Is out for essentially a year. We don't know what's going on with Boogie's contract situation, what he's going to do, but he's still he's not right, and he's still coming off that 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 quad injury. It's 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 debilitating him, and it's it's, it's prohibiting his explosiveness. So what I what I envision happening now is more of leading into our free agency uh, segment is that. Any team in the Western Conference needs to strike now while the iron is hot, essentially. While you got KD down, while you got Clay down, and while you got Boogie down, and while you got just Steph and Draymond, they need to take advantage of this time in the Western Conference where essentially now it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs, and somebody needs to come and take it. Now, if they sign everybody back, what does that mean for their bench? You know what I mean? They still they still don't have a bench. You're going to sign KD to a Supermax. To more money. Yeah. You're signing all these same players to more money. More money. And, and that means your bench players are going to be a little bit worse. You're going to sign. You're going to have all these old vets on minimum contracts. And when it comes to you play a team like Toronto again, where they got a bench that's really that's really with it and they can score, it's not, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And so that's looking forward. Again, while these guys are out... <laughs> They need to the, all these other teams in the Western Conference needs to strike while the iron is hot. Now, 
when you sign KD, like you said, when you sign KD to more money and you sign Clay to more money, you're going to debilitate yourself everywhere else. They're still going to have a formidable team, <coughs> but then the thing is, what's going to happen with Draymond? You know what I mean? There's too many question marks I see. Oh yeah, it's a bunch of question marks. It's, it's really, honestly, this is this is where most teams break it up after three peats. Yeah. Though this is exactly why because. It's just a money thing. You can't afford everybody. You can't give Steph two hundred, KD two hundred, Clay one fifty, and then I'm pretty sure Draymond is gonna make a he wants a all defensive yeah. team. So he's gonna do whatever he's got to do next year yeah. to, to get that. So you're gonna have three people that 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 get paid over 150 million. That's Oof. you just can't afford. You that. Can't <laughs> afford that. You can't build a solid bench with that, and then you're gonna be relying on draft picks. And maybe players from the G League to come and fill your roster out. And it's just like... And we've seen how that plays. Exactly. <laughs> like, you can't compete with the with the Portlands and the, and, the, and the Denvers and now the Lakers of the world trying to make a model like that. You're going to be top heavy. And you remember what happened with LeBron in Cleveland when he was top heavy. He had Kevin Love signed to a huge contract. And then they gave Tristan Thompson $88 million. It's not this God. And not then Exactly. And then you got... Uh, who else did they sign? They got Kyrie to a big contract too. So it's but like, it was it that worked until they got KD. Yeah. They they up. They got the Trump card. Yeah. So they're looking at their dynasty. They got two out of what is it? Two out of five. Two out of five. Three out of five. Right? Yeah. They got three championships out of it. Two with KD. One without. One with an asterisk. And I was reading an article today, and this one article was listing the dynasties. The greatest dynasties in NBA history, and they had the Warriors dynasty at the top of that list. Now, I just want to say off the rip, I think there's like three or four dynasties that's way better than theirs. They are up there. They're in the top five because I think Steph Curry changed basketball for a lot of kids due to the way he plays, the way he moves, and the way he shoots. It makes kids who aren't like Chester 6'4", and got length and stuff like that. It makes kids who are maybe six one and can shoot the crap out of the ball, like Trey Young, for example. Yeah. Gives them a spot in the NBA where they can play. And then you got also on top of that, you got the NBA changing to where one through five, and it's not even one through five because it's positionless now. One through five essentially though has to be able to shoot threes. So it's like if you can shoot threes at a high clip, you're probably gonna stay on the floor. So, I mean. I will. That's what I will really remember for this dynasty, for the Warriors being an exciting brand of basketball, and also Steph Curry changing the landscape of basketball for kids. I would say it's the. I would say it's the the way that they play. Like a lot. I know a lot of people give Steph the credit for that style, but their their style is the best kind of basketball find the find the high hand mm-hmm. no matter who has it if Draymond got it they gonna feed Draymond if Clay got the high hand they gonna feed Clay that's how basketball is supposed to be played you find the high hand or you find the open man that's yeah. what they do and I will be remiss <laughs> if without this segment if I do not mention their coach now people say that Steve Kerr isn't a great coach because he took over Mark Jackson's team which is true he did take over an already constructed team by Mark Jackson and he did take over, and he got them to their three championships to the point that Chester made in our previous podcast that you guys will hear about LeBron's first year in L.A. He said something about he would give Steve Kerr credit just because he did a good job of managing egos 
and specifically Iguodala's ego of you're not going to be a starter for us probably, but you can come off the bench. You'll get pretty much the same amount of minutes. But for us to be a great team, we need you on that second unit doing the same thing that we're doing on the first unit. And as you, you look back through history, at all the great coaches, the Phil Jacksons, the Chuck Daly's, the Red Arbacks, all these great coaches, they had to manage their best players and their, their best players' egos. You know, and that's like half the job. People don't want to give Phil Jackson credit for what he for his nine championships, but he had to manage Jordan's huge ego. Pippen had a huge ego behind the scenes. You had Dennis Rodman on the same team. Like all these guys that they had to that he had to keep in check and say, Hey, listen, Mike's the guy. You're the second fiddle, and all we need you to do is rebound. And I think Steve Kerr, to his point this year, did a great job of managing the Eagles. You remember in the beginning of the year, KD and Draymond got into it, and then Steph and KD. Like, all these people were getting into it with KD, and he kept the ship afloat. And he did what he was supposed to do as a coach and managing Eagles. And so I thought that was a great point that you brought up in that last podcast. Yeah, man. It's... It's not about X's and O's. Once you get to the NBA, everybody can knows how to make up a play. <laughs> so now it's about the intangibles, the things that 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 people don't think make has an impact on the game, but it really does. When you take somebody that literally is a starting guard on anybody's team and you convince him to come off the bench for the betterment of the team, what's the complaint? How can you complain about that coach? You can't do anything but congratulate him because he found a way to make it work. Because Mark Jackson had the same team. Yep. He just didn't. He didn't have Iggy, but or did he have Iggy? Uh, no, I don't yeah, remember. They signed Iggy after uh, Steve Kirk got there. That was it. He yeah. was. He's, where did they went to? What the second round? Yeah. He he took that same team. He added Iggy. Made Iggy come off the bench, and they won the championship. Yep. No matter how I feel about it, they won it. Is it ain't going to show that? Um, that Kyrie and Kevin Love was out is just going to show Golden State Warriors as champions. Yep. And he did what he had to do to get them there. Absolutely, man. And so I can't close that. I could not close our segment without talking about uh, how good Steve Kerr, how good a job he's done. You can say whatever, like you said, you can say whatever you want about him. He has three championships to his name. You know what I mean? Steve Kerr's won pretty much every stop he's been as a player and as a coach now. So you say what you want, but uh, just the rings don't lie. You know how to win. Exactly. The rings don't lie. So. We are going to transition from the Warriors dynasty now, looking forward to it. And now we're going to look at the landscape of the rest of the NBA. We're going to look at free agency, and we're going to look at the AD trade specifically. And we're going to look at how that's impacted the West and how that's going to impact LeBron and the Lakers team as a whole and how it's going to work with them to coexisting and trying to get the Lakers back to just the playoffs. So now we are into the segment of about the uh, 80 to the Lakers trade. It's a huge trade that shook the NBA, obviously, when you get two. When now you have two of the top six players in the NBA on the same team. That's always, I mean, you're always going to create waves, obviously. So now we're going to discuss how that fits Basketball-wise, what the projection for the team is, and what that means for uh, other free agencies. So we're going to kind of combine AD and the Lakers trade to uh, and free agency together just because I feel they both tie in with each other. So if you don't know, AD was traded 
to the Lakers <clears throat> for uh, Lonzo, Lonzo, B.I., and three first-round picks, and Josh Hart. Josh Hart. And that is, that's a lot. That That is a lot. And I feel like that is a great trade on both sides. The trade can't be finalized, I think, until like July 30th, so it's still like a pending trade. But when you got Mr. LeBron James, who uh, controls pretty much everything in the NBA, pulling the strings with his boy, Rich Paul, who got that trade done, I can respect that. You know, I mean, it is what it is at this point. LeBron strikes again. But they got a trade done. And essentially, if you look at the trade, it's pretty much the same trade they had at the deadline last year. Just minus Kuzma. And I think keeping Kyle Kuzma was a huge, huge thing for the Lakers to not just give up every single piece that they had. If you, again, go back and listen to the LeBron's first year in Cleveland pod, first year in LA podcast, I alluded to the fact that um, the Lakers are in dysfunction right now, and they essentially had no choice but to, rent, to hand the keys over to LeBron. And this trade just further confirms what I had already said that they had to get the keys to this man to get it done. And excuse me, he got eighty there, and I can't be mad at it because it is what it is at this point, and. If I'm, I'm going to look at it from a basketball perspective, then I'm going to ask Chester what he thinks about it from a basketball perspective. From a basketball perspective, in terms of moving, movement and passing the ball and stuff like that and scoring, I think it can work. With LeBron and AD in the pick and roll, I think that's pretty deadly because you essentially, in every in all sense of this term, you have to pick your poison. Either you're going to let AD go over the top, or LeBron's just going to take it all the way to the rim. For a foul or a dunk or a layup or whatever. Still at age 35. He'll be 35 when the season starts. LeBron will. He still can get it done. And he's still one of the top five players in the NBA. And I want to analyze it from crunch time. And crunch time, that will be the thing that I have the biggest concern about. Because if you're a big and you play with LeBron, you have to be able to shoot the basketball from the three at a pretty a pretty decent clip. I don't know AD's three-point numbers off the top of my head, but you have to shoot it at a at a pretty good clip. So in crunch time, I don't know how that's going to work. You know, AD can get it done. I like AD a lot. He just doesn't. He's just not a winner. He does, he hasn't won anything major in the league. But a case can be made, as we alluded to with the Warriors dynasty, that teammates do matter. And we can say, hey, who's the teammate that he's had besides Boogie Cousins, who was another big, who pretty much does the same thing as him. Who's another player that he's had that's been transcendent? He has Drew Holiday, who's been an all-star, but Drew Holiday is a very solid player. He's not a transcendent talent. So now AD is getting the he's getting the chance to play with another transcendent player. And so now I feel like we can really judge him on what his true talent is and what he does alongside another winner. Chester, what do you, what do you think about that? Um, I think that tr- I think the trade was was good for both teams. Um, but I'll say basketball wise, I think it's a little better than people might under might think because AD he's not a great three point shooter, but for his size, shoots about what's the highest he's had. The highest he shot is like thirty four percent. It's not the worst, but you won't expect that from him every night. And he only the most three-point attempts he's took in, in a season is his average has been 2.6 shot, three-point attempts a game. So it's not like he's taking a lot. 
yeah. just small samples. So I I see that that can be a threat. Plus he he's mid range, so he can come off the pick and he can just pop and shoot. And then once he goes to the to the rack and LeBron throws it up, nobody else is going nobody to get it. But the thing I will give him is I believe he's a better defender than Chris Bosh was. So I would say that will probably work out in the Lakers' favor. But I don't think LeBron has ever had a center where if you go down there, the center is going to hold hold down the fort and, and get you some stops on the defensive end. Even if he doesn't get the block, he knows how to play defense and, and get to just make players readjust their shots. Um... We just got to see how it how it turns out. We just got to see what they do, what pieces they put around them. Yeah. yeah. Um, they got a little bit of money to, to add another max player if they want, or they can just go and pick up a bunch of, I would say, do the strength and numbers way and pick up a bunch of yeah. role players, but we'll have to see. Yeah, well, exactly. They, they have two options that they're going to do. Knowing the Lakers, they're probably going to try to use that money to spend it on a one. big free yeah, like one big free agent when they probably should, like you said, just do the straight the numbers thing and fill out the rest of the roster with the money that they had. They were talking about trying to trade for Bradley Bill, which would be a heck of a trade for them if they ever if they pull that off, that'd be a great trade. That's that's the knockdown shooter that that LeBron would need. And Bradley Bill can if you watched him last year, he added dribbling to his game, you know, and so he can now get a bucket off the dribble now. And that would be what LeBron needs. And Bradley Bill's numbers would go up. He probably would make the All-Star team. Honestly, if you really sit and think about it, because the most All-Stars always come from the best teams in the NBA. And he would finally, he would probably make the All-Star team. So I like that. But we all just have to see which way they decide to go. They keep talking about Kawhi trying to come there. I just honestly cannot see a situation where Kawhi would leave Toronto to go to L.A. to play with the Lakers. I mean, the Clippers, okay, but not the Lakers. Him and LeBron, they essentially do the same thing. Just mm-hmm. just minus minus the, the passing. LeBron's obviously a, an elite passer. Kawhi is not. But, I mean, they they have a similar skill set. No. I mean, how, do they, how, do, how don't they have a similar skill set? Because LeBron is pass first. Kawhi is get to my spot and shoot. Like, LeBron, like, I, I keep telling people this, and they be shocked when I tell them. LeBron last year with Kyrie, Kyrie took the most shots that season. It wasn't LeBron, it was Kyrie. LeBron, he has no problem giving up the ball. That's what, So if Kawhi came there, it would be less defense for LeBron. I think LeBron needs something like that just because of his age, but... He needs it, but is he going to get it? That's the thing. But he, I would say he needs, he needs somebody that plays defense yeah. like Kawhi at his same position. So if he switch or whatever they do, they can always put him on the weaker offensive player. And if that was the case, I don't want to hear anybody tell me that LeBron's a top five defender. If that happens, I don't want to hear that again. Well, why? You do that for you do that for Jordan and everybody to tell you that Pippen is the is the greatest is the better defender. I'm not going to turn it into a goat debate. No, I'm not, I didn't say right. goat. I said you're doing you're taking it away from LeBron. But the bet, like Jordan had two people on his team that were better defenders. Yo, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Dennis Rodman. You should probably look up Dennis Rodman. That's oh, I literally like, all. I like Dennis Rodman. I watched the documentary. I watched the battle. It's all defensive rebounds. What it never had nothing to do with scoring. And Scottie Pippen. You can just look. Yeah, like Scottie. Scottie does not get the praise that he deserves for being a great player. Everybody's like, "Oh, well, how is he in the top fifty greatest player?" Yo, he was nice. And then even when he left and went to Portland, 
still was putting up numbers. You when know he went I mean? to the Rockets, right, he yeah. still was putting up numbers. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he doesn't get enough credit. But back to the AD and the Lakers thing. Yeah. Um, their roster that's going to be currently constructed now is going to have Alex Caruso as their starting point guard. You know, as he's any nice. Lakers. No, he is nice. nice. At the end of the season, he did, but they're probably not going to let him be the starter. No. You know what I mean? I said, told Chester off air that they need to sign Rondo back as the backup point guard. They need Pat to do Bev. it. I say, Pat Bev, they need that heart, that grit. Rondo, I honestly fell off of Rondo last year. Rondo isn't a good leader to me. He did do some stuff last year that was just, uh, like, why would you why would you do that? Once he spit on Chris Paul, I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, that, like, you can't have a team full of young guys, and you're the role model, and yeah. that's what you do. Yeah, he, Rondo definitely, but that's no secret that Rondo's, you know, tough to coach, and he does stuff like that. You know what I mean? Him and, him and Chris Paul, they don't like each other, and he said that even after the game, nobody likes Chris Paul, and they we all know that they don't like each other. But I feel like Rondo would stabilize the point guard position as – as the backup. He doesn't need to start, but he should at least be the backup. Rondo can still get it done, man. He can still run no, a team. He can still play. I won't, I won't take yeah. that from him. He can still play the game of basketball, but I just don't think he's the right fit for that team. I think Pat Bev, that means you have an anchor at your point guard and you have an anchor at your center, but they're both defensive, and I think that's what LeBron needs. And, and, and to your point, you're right. That is what LeBron needs. LeBron Probably had his worst defensive season last year. We, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Due to injury or due to just not wanting to play defense, he has worse defensive year. So what do you do with that? At, at age 35, you mask it. You mask it. You can mask it. He can give me defensive spurts. I'll give him that. He can definitely give you defensive spurts. And he that's, It wouldn't even need to be defensive spurts. He would technically be a help defender. Yeah. And he can do that. That's what he's excelled at his whole <laughs> career. When he was younger to chase down blocking, you know what I mean? He... He can sell at the help defender spot. Yeah. But um, they need to definitely find a point guard. You know, they have the three. They have the center now. They they will have a solid team, but we got to wait and see what they're going to do with the rest of the roster. Um, there's great, great free agents out there. Um, there have been reports that um, the Lakers are also looking at Nikola Vucevic from the Magic as possibly joining LeBron due to his defensive prowess, his rebounding, and his shooting. Not, if they got him as their third max player, so him, AD, and Vucevic. Yeah, but he's a solid three-point yeah, shooter. he is a solid three-point shooter. Vucevic, see, you only know about him if you like, like really watch the NBA. He is a solid player that's on a bad team, though. Not even bad. He took well, they made it, you're right. They did. They made it to the playoffs. So I won't say a bad team. They just they just don't have enough. I'll say that. They, they're counting on people like Terrence Ross. To be like the main scorer of the team, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, who else did they have? DJ Augustine, they who's had, not, who's a solid point guard. They had Aaron Gordon, um, they got they got yeah. solid pieces, but it's just it's not enough to get you past Toronto. And, it's not enough. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not enough for championship. Yeah, it's contention. not. But Vucevic will be a great addition to them, and then you know they still got the pipe dreams of KD. They don't think that's gonna happen. They got the pipe dreams of Clay. That's not gonna happen. Um, I don't think. I don't think you want to even do that on yeah. LeBron's time. Oh, absolutely not. And then the list of the rest of the top. These are the top flight free agents that are left. That's gonna be in free agency this summer. So we already said KD, and then you know Kawhi. Nobody knows where he's going. You got Kyrie, Kemba, Clay, Porzingis. Who's probably going to resign back with Dallas just because he, he just got traded there? Vucevic, Tobias, Chris Middleton, D'Angelo Russell's going to be a free agent. JJ Redick, Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford, who just opted out of this deal with uh, the Celtics. Marcus Sowell has a player option that he can opt out of. 
Julius Randle also opted out of his player option. Brooke Lopez. DeAndre Jordan would be a great backup center for them. And then you got Bo John Bagdanovich from the Pacers. He's a shooter. He actually will fit really well with them if he is ever to sign there. He, that may be a name to watch. Listen, the more shooters LeBron has around him, the better that he'll play and the better that the Lakers will play. But they can fill their roster out with solid players if they play their cards right. Now, I think they're, they're going to try to make a splash, another splash, which I'm not mad at because you know in this NBA market, you need three top guys to compete for a championship. And they even just with AD and LeBron, they have enough to win a championship. Like I said in the last segment, with Golden State down. I mean, if you look at how Golden State matches up currently constructed with the Lakers currently constructed, just with AD alone, AD has huge games against the against the uh, Warriors. And so LeBron beat the crap out of the Warriors on Christmas Day without AD. So the Lakers, they're in a prime position to, to take over the West very uh, nonchalantly and very uh, snaky, if, you, if I will, you know, just come out of nowhere, you know, just in to be the top two or three teams in the West. They still got to deal with um, Denver. They still got to deal with Portland. But uh, the free agent market is deep. And uh, I don't – how do you think they will fit – how do you think Kimball Walker and Kyrie Irving would fit on that team as the point guard? I don't like either one of them because yeah. they don't play defense. Yeah. <laughs> they don't check their soul. But I will say they I the only reason I believe that they can't go top heavy is because you can't put all those minutes on LeBron or AD because they both are injury prone basically like well I don't know about this is LeBron's first time but he's older in age so if he gets another injury it's not going to surprise anybody yeah. but AD has a history of not playing yeah nearly as many games there's a there's an injury stat today. Every season of AD's career, he's missed 14-plus games every, every single year. So that's a very real concern that you have to limit his minutes because he's got a lot of wear and tear. And then the, another thing is, to that point, he I mean, since he's been a Pelican, he's been the man on that team. You know what I mean? You can make a case that he's been in, this, in like a similar situation that LeBron been in when he first came in the league, that AD was just in as being a man, having a shoulder defensive and an offensive load. And making sure your team gets to where they need to be, and it's all on you. And That's doing it in the Western Conference. Exactly, and doing, <laughs> doing it in the Western Conference. LeBron saw this year how tough it is to win in the Western Conference. So, you know, AD, I think he's going to be better this year because he's going to have someone that could uh, help him. And I think they're going to get some other solid players around them, other solid shooters, the three and D guys that can help build, that can help them and take some time off him. Now, what I want to see is how Frank Vogel. Jason Kidd, and I think they signed Lionel mm-hmm. Hollins as their three coaches. I want to see how that dynamic works. You know, I just want to see how they work with LeBron and then how they work with AD and what's that's gonna what that's gonna entail. So I we don't I don't like Kyrie or Kimba as the starting point guard of that, but they may get it just because it's a big name. I don't see why Kyrie would go back and play with LeBron, but you know he did apologize to him. I do know why. He, he, <laughs> he know he not the man. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. Kyrie. I don't think he know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just after, irrational, after. irrational expectations that he has for himself. That I mean, you couldn't get it done with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. Like the team he had was solid. They, they made exactly. They went to the Eastern Conference without him. 
So why didn't you come in trying to take 25, 25 shots a game? No, he took 22. 22 shit. shots a Man, game, bro. I should have shot 30. <laughs> what? You should have shot 30. I lost. What do you mean? Now, if you Kobe, okay. But you ain't Kobe. Yeah, he's from that. He's from that dream. He is cut from he, that He's from that Mamba but mentality. See, he, they said that when Kyrie lost the finals, the first person he called was Kobe. I don't understand why Kobe isn't telling him, like, yo, listen, you need to temper your expectations and you need to pass the ball. Kobe even said it about Harden. Kobe was like, yo, listen, the way Harden plays, it's not going to win championships. But you got to do what you got to do to keep your head above water. But this case is very different from what Kyrie was in because Kyrie actually had other players on his team that can play. He had like three or four, five other players that can play. Terry Rozier got on ESPN talking about, yo, it was bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had... We've seen it. Yeah. It was bad. Like, they had other players on their team that could contribute in major ways. And he just couldn't get it, couldn't get it done. Now they're talking about him going to Brooklyn. And it's to your point, what you told me last week. You said Kyrie just needs to go to a team similar to the Atta Iverson situation where he's... Undoubtedly, just a man. He can score as many buckets as he wants for them to win. That's the only thing that's gonna make him happy. Yeah, I mean, it ain't winning. It's not. He, I mean, he was pissed when they won the championship. <laughs> I mean, golly, bro, what more do you want? You know what I mean? And I just wanted to run down the free agency and the AD trade and how certain things are gonna work. That's just a small taste. And I want to move. Our last segment will be about the James Harden Chris Paul thing. And I think Kyrie will tie in the James Harden and Chris Paul beef just because. I wanted to discuss that just because that's a lot bigger than just Chris Paul and James Harden. It's it's more on a macro level in terms of basketball that I think people don't are not willing to look at or not trying to say or trying to make excuses for James and Kyrie. But it needs to be discussed. And so we're going to discuss that in our next segment. In our last segment, we're going to discuss Chris Paul and James Harden. And we're going to figure out what that means on a macro basketball level. All right, we've come to our last and final segment on the ham and turkey today. We're going to discuss the CP3 and the James Harden friction that they've been having. Now, if you don't know, there's an article posted yesterday on ESPN. Bleacher Report also has the same article where they reported that there is major, major friction between James Harden and Chris Paul and just to give you like a little insight of what the article was saying basically Chris Paul is frustrated with playing James Harden due to James Harden's playing style the dribble 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 style which I hate also and Chris Paul they say he essentially wants to coach James now James Harden is a league MVP Chris Paul is not so how do you think James Harden is going to take to that probably not well there's also expert excerpt in that article that says that when Chris Paul was running the second team, he would tell D'Antoni to keep James out because they were playing well. And honestly, I have no issues with that. If the team is playing well and you're going to come in and mess the chemistry, why would you put him back in? But then you had D'Antoni also dealing with James telling him to put me back in. You know, and they say also that Chris had a big issue with James Harden when he doesn't have the ball just standing around and not spacing the floor properly, which is, again, a very, 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 very plausible and a very real uh, concern because it's like, yo, we're trying to win games, but it seems like all you care about is scoring. And so my thing is why I wanted to discuss it is because I feel like 
this notion or this mindset is affecting young and even older basketball players and coaches that we know on a macro level because this mindset is permeating and people are actually believing that this is good basketball and it's not good basketball if you actually know the <clears throat> know the game of basketball dribbling 150 times <laughs> and then taking a bad contested shot even though you make it is not a good is not good basketball it, the reason why is is because it's, it will not sustain long term throughout that game so if you make three contested shots you probably miss 10 because they're contested or unless you're just having the game of your life where you're making everything, then okay. But as Kobe told James Harden or said to James Harden when Rachel Nichols asked him when she went to see him, he said that brand of basketball will not win championships. But James had to do what he had to do to stay above water. And he even agreed with it. They interviewed him. He said, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, Chester was telling me that it's D'Antoni's system, which I don't agree with, and they said it's a little bit of CP3. So I'm going to let you tell him. I'm going to let him say his thoughts before I go back into mine. All right. So I'll just go off the playoffs for James Harden. It's a guy that got – he averaged 30, in 11 games, he averaged 31 points on 24 shot attempts, mm. shooting 41% 40 from the field and shooting 35% from three. But he's taking 12 three-point attempts, and he's making four. So he's making a, a, a fourth yeah. of his threes. Yep. So with that being said, it's him, James Harden isn't moving without if he doesn't have the ball, which if anybody knows anything about basketball, if you take an MVP and you just have him cut to the basket, I'm pretty sure somebody is going to step up. Somebody's going to be open, and that's just how basketball moves. Movement, ball movement, that it's all got to happen. So, I just don't. It is James Harden's fault because he should be smart enough as a as an MVP candidate to know that this this brand of basketball not gonna work long term. It's not even that. Like he, it's being said on national TV by Kobe. Like if Kobe comes out and says, "Yo, you can't win a championship <laughs> playing this way," there's nobody else that got the, that got the green light like right. Kobe. So if he was in his that. shoes doing the same exact thing he was doing. Exactly. So when you have somebody on that level telling you that and you still want to walk when you don't have the ball, like it's just it's bad spacing. Your defender can help off of you now because he know you're not gonna move. <laughs> so it's just a a bad thing. With CP three, I would say because CP three has lost a step, he's not the same player he was. It's hard. It's gonna be a little bit harder for James Harden to, to take just listen. Yeah, right. yeah, like you're not the same player, dog. So yeah. just relax. Yeah, that's what they said. They said this was reported that he said you can't even beat your man. So just sit and watch me. Like with that attitude, it's horrible. Yes, he can't beat his man, but Chris Paul is smart enough and he knows the game. And Chris Paul will play defense, and I can mess with that. And he will get players involved. That's yeah. why the second unit plays better when James isn't in there. Yeah, because CP is just worried about playing defense and setting people up. CP three. He can't beat his man, but he can still score, though. Yeah, he don't have to beat his man. He's, he's still a top five point guard in this league. Once he gets past the pick, it's either a lob or he's passing into yeah. the open man. That's his game. But like I said, D'Antoni is his fault because at the end of the day, this is his team. He's the coach. He's the one that lays down the ground rules. And if you can't take a mid-range shot, you literally can take only threes and layups. 
That means that whole middle part, we don't have to defend because nobody is going to shoot it. Melo took a mid-range shot in a preseason game and was off the team. Apologized about it. Right. Was off the team, what, in a month when the season started? And they cut him? It wasn't even a month. Yeah. It's like the first three, like, first two weeks. Like, Melo could have really helped them off the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like, he really could have helped that team. But, you know, like, to his point, too, Dan Tony does deserve some blame here for the friction between them. But I feel like you have a... Uh, an antithesis here, where it's a, I, it's the co- the colliding idea of playing good basketball versus playing bad basketball. And so, I, go ahead. I, I wouldn't say that. I would just say that's bad. If me and you playing, you know, I love the mid range. Yeah. But what if I take away the whole mid range, and you know, you only got to check me from the three point line, and you know, once I pass the three point line, I'm only going to the basket. Does that make your life easier as a Absolutely. defender? That's Absolutely. why is that's why it, to me is bad coaching because. Everybody know all thirty teams, all of the other teams. They know once you step inside of the three point line, you're not looking for one jump shot. It's yeah. just easier to defend. And, and Chris, and as far as James not wanting to listen, listen to Chris, Chris Paul had the same issues with Blake Griffin because Blake Griffin didn't want to work hard. He had the same issues with DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan didn't want to work on his free throws. Like, and I was telling Chester off air like. What do you want Chris Paul to do when the two best players, I'm speaking for the Clippers now, the two best players, Blake Griffin don't want to work and play defense, and then DeAndre Jordan don't want to work, don't want to uh, practice his free throws. Like, they were losing games because of DeAndre Jordan because he wasn't hitting his free throws, and they could just follow him at the end of the games, and he missing four or five in a row. And, and then they got to take, take right. him out. And they got to take him out. Now they lose their, one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. You know what I mean? So Chris is a six-foot point guard, maybe not even that, who can score – but at six foot in the NBA, when the average height is six eight, you can only do so much. You you can only do so much. So what do you want Chris to do? You want him to just sit back and not say nothing? <laughs> so it, it's a fine line that has to be uh, walked here because I don't feel like enough leeway was given to Chris to to put the onus on James for playing bad basketball. James Harden's whole game is be- now anyway is bad basketball. He has led the NBA. In scoring and assists one year, and and I can't say that's a bad bad season, but he did. But here's a stat for you guys: this past year in a regular season, James Harden led the NBA in field goals attempted and field goals made, three point three pointers attempted and made, and points. That's and oh and shots too. He took the most shots in the NBA too. Yeah. And I mean. He's just a, he's essentially just a super scoring machine, but my my issue comes where you have analysts on TV saying, "Well, you know, James had to do this, and he has he yes he did have to do this yes, but he didn't have to keep doing it when Chris Paul got back. He decided to keep doing it because he was in an MVP race, and we know he cares about that. We know he cares about it because that year Steph won it, he was upset. <laughs> so we know he cares about his numbers, but." My issue is, is on a macro level, like I stated before, and this is where I tie Kyrie into this too, is because the people, the basketball people that we know and the coaches that we know, they tell kids that this is good basketball. You guys let the kids who do this, y'all let them sit, dribble 150 times, take bad shots, and then if they make two out of the six bad shots that they take, y'all good with that and y'all don't say anything. And so I feel like James Harden and Kyrie Irving are really big examples of that because they're on the biggest stage playing the game that's probably the most popular besides soccer. It's probably the most popular sport in the world. 
and the people who are supposed to be aficionados, they're not holding the they're not holding kids responsible and teaching them correct basketball etiquette. So to Chester, what do you say to that? I would just say it's it's all about what you like. Like yes, I like watching Kyrie. Sometimes I watch I can watch Harden. But my favorite players are players that are effective, players that are efficient. Like me and you, we talk a lot about the 50, 40, 90. Right. Neither one of those two are in that Neither club. Neither one of them. And that's their volume shooters. They're taking a lot of shots. But just because you take a lot of shots, that don't mean that it's good shots. And that's what's the problem with both of those players. They take as many shots as they want. And I'm all for people taking shots, but I'm all about the right shot. Give me a, a Give me an open shot. That's the right shot. If you're going to take a contested shot, I'd rather it be a layup. You had the rim. But I won't, I like players that's 50, 40, 90. All those players, to me, they play the right way. They get to their spots. They don't take bad shots. They're not forcing it, and they're moving without the ball. Absolutely, man. And I, I always venture to say, because I was looking at Kimball Walker, and then I was looking at Kyrie Irving. Two, I, they play the same way, but they play two totally different ways. If the basketball people out there understand what I'm saying, Ky, Kimba is more inclined to give up the rock. Kyrie is not. Kyrie, go ahead, Trash. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Kimba wants to give up the rock. He just has nobody to give exactly, it to. Yeah. Kyrie has people to give it to, and he doesn't want to give it to him. He doesn't want to give it to him. And the thing is, is like, why? That's back to my question again. And I always open up an invitation. For anybody who wants to come on my podcast and discuss basketball, whatever you want to discuss, but this specific topic, I want to understand why bad basketball is being permeated through our kids and coaches now. It's always been that way. Why, why is it accepted on a higher scale now? No, it's always been that way because you can say Kobe. I don't believe Kobe was good basketball, but people love Kobe. To me, I love Iverson, but Iverson isn't—he isn't the right way to. He's, those are all volume shooters. Those yeah. all those are always the people that get the love. Yeah, I mean, but I, back to your point about Kyrie, it's different in his case because he actually had players that he could pass the ball to. Yeah, he had players: Rozier, Tatum, Horford, Jalen Brown. All these players, all those guys I can name can play ball. And they can start on pretty much any NBA team that they're on. But he decided not to. And there's kids, when you go to uh, LA Fitness or whatever rec you want to name or whatever three school, whatever you want to name, that play exactly how Kyrie plays. But y'all love that, though. But y'all know in your minds and in your basketball hearts that it's horrible basketball. So why is that being reinforced when you know? Why don't you want to say anything why are we just letting this stuff happen? This is the thing. This is the issue I have. I used to be a huge James Harden fan. Huge. And I used to love everything about his game. Now, when you see players like Kawhi, LeBron, PG, AD, all these players that aren't in the best situations, but they, they're, they're like you said, they're, they're efficient players and they make great decisions with the ball. How can I possibly put James in the top five when he doesn't make good decisions with the ball? He'll pass the ball. He's averaged 11 assists for, for in, in a season before. He'll pass the ball. But there is a – I want to question the reason why he's passing the ball. I feel he plays for assist stats. You know what I mean? I feel he plays for stats. But that's just the bigger issue that I have with Kyrie and James Harden that they get so much love for playing the worst brand of basketball. And if I was playing with Kyrie 
or Chester was playing with somebody who plays like Kyrie, we would be cussing them out mm-hmm. left and right. But it's okay for Kyrie and James Harden to play that way and analysts to constantly make excuses for them. Max Kellerman just said today that that James Harden is not a top five player. And I must agree with that. He is not a top five player at this moment in time. He cannot get me to a championship. Why would why would he be less apt to listen to Chris Paul when a game where they're against the Spurs two years ago in the playoffs, there was no Kawhi. It was the year Zaza Pachulia stepped under Kawhi when he jumped for the jump shot and he hurt his ankle. That year, it was... It was no, it was no Kawhi. It was only Lamarcus Aldridge. Mm, he only LA, and they lost by eight. They lost by almost thirty points. James Harden was the only guy, and he had only eight points that game. James Harden has absolutely nothing to say to me. They had a game against Golden State last year, that closeout game, where they missed every three they took. They went zero for twenty-seven. I, I, I don't understand. Why we praise this band, this brand of basketball. So, as this is my last segment, I would like to extend the invitation to any basketball mind, any person who feels that they know the game of basketball and they love it enough to come and talk with us on why James, why do players and coaches love James Harden and Kyrie so much? When they play the worst brand of basketball and they don't win. Why are the basketball aficionados praising these guys and putting these guys in the top five or whatever and saying that these guys are great? So, again, I thank you all for listening. I thank my boy Chester for coming on and helping me discuss these basketball topics with you guys. We will have another basketball topic of reordering the top five players in the NBA next time because at this point in time, I think it's a serious conversation that needs to be had because for years, LeBron has undoubtedly been the number one player in the NBA. I don't think anyone will argue that. He's been like the best player in the league for how long he been in the league? 17 years? 16 years. Yeah, 17, yeah. Yep, he was the best player in the NBA for 17 years. But now after this last season in L.A., we got to reorder this this wow, top five. Got yeah, we got we to gotta reorder this top five. So the good news is in terms of the invitations is that the ham and turkey is now on facebook so if you have any questions or you have any uh topics that you want to discuss you can hit the ham and turkey on facebook and i will be very glad to answer any questions that you have so again like i said before i love all you guys for supporting me and supporting us and doing the ham and turkey and i hope that you listen again on the next podcast when we discuss the reordering of the top five in the NBA.